I've been thinking and praying a lot this week about a priest whose name is Father Stephen Chow Saoyang. This priest last week was named the new bishop of Hong Kong. And that's a big deal for those who know what's going on in the church internationally. Because right now it is very difficult to be a Christian in China and really any religious person in China. What China's currently doing started in 2016 when their president, Xi Jinping, rolled out an initiative that was focused on the sinicization of religion. Sinicization is simply a verb that means to make China-like. So the sinicization of religion is the idea that no religion should exist in China that does not first subscribe to the principles of the Chinese Communist Party. And then after they have sworn allegiance to those principles, then they can believe whatever is in their religion. But that initiative by the Chinese president has led to a few things. One, it has led to concentration camps for ethnic and religious minorities. And I hope we all understand where concentration camps for ethnic and religious minorities head based on the experience of the 20th century. But he's rounded up about a million Uyghurs, which is an ethnic minority in the northwest of China, who are Muslim by culture. And he has put them in re-education camps so that they are re-educated to believe first in the principles of the Chinese Communist Party. Well, this initiative, the Uyghurs being the worst example, has touched the Catholics as well. And in order to try to protect our people, the Vatican entered a concordat with China um, in order to try to have written down at least the rights of the Chinese church. This concordat is secret, so we're not sure exactly what is in it, but we're almost entirely sure that the Vatican is respecting its side of the deal while the government of China doesn't respect any of that deal. And Catholic churches are being bulldozed and crosses are being torn down. In the midst of all of this, two years ago, Hong Kong, which has a special status in China, had a new law imposed upon it. It was an extradition law that meant that if you were arrested in Hong Kong, you could be extradited to the mainland. So that means that those in Hong Kong no longer enjoy special rights. They had a democratic government, they had elections, they had things like freedom of the press. All of that is gone now. And that resulted in major street protests over the last two years. Street protests, which, by the way, have been primarily led by Catholics and those educated in Catholic schools. In a sense, in Hong Kong right now, it's almost the Catholics versus the government. Not every Catholic is part of this, but it still falls out that way. And this year, many of those protest leaders have been arrested in the way that only an autocratic government can on trumped-up charges so that they go away. Many of those people are our people. They are Catholics. In the midst of all of this, Hong Kong has not had a bishop. Two candidates came before Father Chow. The first was seen as too close to the protesters. The second was seen as too close to the government. Father Chow is the compromise candidate. He's currently the provincial, which is the head of all of the Jesuits in China. And he was seen as the only bishop that the Chinese government and the Vatican could agree on. This man is being given an impossible task. 
He is going into a firebox. He's torn between his church and his education system, which the government is trying to crack down on significantly, and a government that has no love for him or the things that he stands for. It is impossible for him to do his job, which is why I have been praying for him. But as he prepares to take over the Diocese of Hong Kong, he'll be installed in December, the one thing I've been thinking about is, this is why we have the Holy Spirit. His job is impossible for him. He cannot be successful in what he's about to undertake. But God can be successful in what he's about to undertake. I'm not sure if Father Chow is headed for martyrdom, if he's headed for a place where he has to sacrifice his conscience. Praise God, he does not have to face that, we hope. I'm not sure where he's headed, but I do know that he was given the Holy Spirit for this moment. He was given the Holy Spirit in baptism. It was confirmed at confirmation. He was given pastoral charity at his ordination. It is God who is going to assist him in threading this needle. The Holy Spirit can pull off what needs to happen in Hong Kong. This is the same Holy Spirit that was given to the apostles, and they also had an impossible task. They were fishermen, tax collectors. Tax collectors were educated but hated. Fishermen were loved but not educated. No apostle was prepared for the mission that Jesus gave them, which was preach the gospel to all nations. In their time, it was all the nations of the Mediterranean, and according to some traditions, even as far east as India. No apostle was ready for that, and yet they were massively successful. Within the lifetime of the apostles, every city in the north and east Mediterranean had received the gospel at least amongst a small group of people. They pulled off the impossible because they had the Holy Spirit. That's why they were given the Holy Spirit. Our first reading has a really interesting phrase from Joel. It says, Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, even upon the servants and the handmaids, which is to say the lowliest of the low in society. Even upon the servants and the handmaids in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just reserved for very important bishops. It's not just reserved for super important saints. It is the same Holy Spirit given to those men, which is given to all of us in our baptism and our confirmation. Each of us shares the same Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that preached the gospel to all nations within a generation of Christ. The same Holy Spirit that's going to be with Father Chow as he takes on an impossible task. That Holy Spirit has been given to you. God said he would pour his Holy Spirit upon everyone. And what's the result? And I will work wonders in the heavens and on earth. Blood, fire, and columns of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. The Holy Spirit is so powerful that even the forces of nature bow before it. 
the Holy Spirit that dwells in each of us from the day of our baptism is the same Spirit that can create blood, fire, and columns of smoke. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells at the center of each of our lives and each of our souls. The Holy Spirit is given to us both to endure the difficulty of life. There are so many situations, like the one that Father Chow is facing, that seem impossible except for God, but God dwells with us in the Holy Spirit, so we have nothing to worry about. The Holy Spirit is also given to us to build up, to build up the Church, to convert the world. Traditionally, we talk about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Those who receive the Holy Spirit, which is again all of us at baptism, are given the seven gifts that are outlined in the reading from the prophet Isaiah. And those gifts are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. Every single one of us has those gifts. And every single one of us carries out the power of the Holy Spirit, again, the power of the one who can turn the moon to blood, that power through these gifts. They seem so simple and docile. Wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. But they're not. If Father Chow is going to succeed in Hong Kong, he is going to need wisdom and understanding and counsel. He is going to need fortitude and piety and fear of the Lord. These are gifts that allow us to endure anything. These are the gifts that allowed the martyrs to endure torture serenely while praying for their captors. These are the gifts that will allow us to endure a hostile world and to bring it to conversion. But beyond these gifts, we also speak in Christianity about something called a charism. A charism is a special gift for an individual. All of us, having received the Holy Spirit, have these seven gifts, and we should expect that some of these gifts might be specific for us. I, for example, believe that I experience the counsel of the Holy Spirit more than any of the gifts. The Holy Spirit living and dwelling in me allows me to make good decisions and to understand the right path in difficult times. And I've experienced that since high school. That's a special gift of the Holy Spirit. It's one of the seven that's more present in myself than the others. So that's an individual gift of the Spirit. But those charisms might look like something very specific, a very specific gift or ministry. For example, when I was in Boston in college, I knew a woman who received messages from God that she needed to communicate to other people. Now, most people who claim to speak for God are delusional. But this woman gave me a message that led directly to the series of events that led me to priesthood. And she gave my friend a message that led directly to my friend's baptism and reception into the Catholic Church. Those kinds of fruits cannot be ignored. It is clear to me that this woman did have a charism a special gift of the Holy Spirit intended to build up the church 
and convert the world. My friends, each and every one of us has a charism. We were given the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. It was strengthened in confirmation. And he intends each of us to have the power of the Spirit through a special gift. Maybe it's one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's something more miraculous and extraordinary. But each and every one of us is blessed with a charism. However, we don't often talk about charisms in the parish or the church. One of the reasons is that a charism is the last thing to manifest in somebody's spiritual life. Before we can know our charism, before the Holy Spirit can work through us in a particularly powerful or supernatural way, we first have to have a very robust spiritual life which means we have to leave behind all of those sins that take up so much room in our heart. If we're going to fill our, our heart and our soul with sins that, yeah, they're fine, I don't need to work on it, it's fine, well, then your life is just going to be fine. The Holy Spirit can't do anything extraordinary through complacency. Even beyond attachment to sin, there is also the matter of prayer. Because every charism is intended for the building up of the church and the conversion of the world, God will only manifest a charism in somebody if that person is close to his will. If this woman, who had messages from God, went around telling everybody messages without prudence, without really understanding what they were for, without really being able to tell the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the devil, she would do more harm than good. But because she prayed and she was close to God and knew the will of God, that charism was able to manifest in her life. So, for many of us, our immediate focus as Christians is simply on, gotta work on the sin, gotta work on the prayer. And that's fine. That's where most of us find ourselves much of the time. And we gotta work on that stuff. But one of the motivations for working on that stuff is if we give our life entirely to God, if we learn to be an empty vessel for the Holy Spirit, if we say yes to everything God wants to do in our life, even the crazy stuff, then he will do the crazy stuff. He will manifest in us a special gift, sometimes supernatural, sometimes miraculous, other times seemingly normal but in a powerful way. One of my priest friends recently said that he thinks I have the charism of administration which is not a sexy gift. But if that's how the Holy Spirit wants me to serve the church and convert the world, I'll take it. If that's how he wants to work through me, that's my yes. Similarly for you, if you say yes to God, if you say yes to the Spirit which is dwelling in you already, who wants to work through you, he will work through you. Dr. Kathy Ernst and I have been talking about what it would look like to have a parish defined by charisms. A pastor knows what it's like to go to his people and say, hey, I need you to do this, I want you on this committee, I want you on this ministry. And that's good, and people are generous, and they respond, but they often respond out of duty. Instead, what would it look like if every single person in our parish 
was not attached to sin, was deeply in prayer, had the charism of the Holy Spirit manifest in their life, and they came to me and they said, Father, I don't know what's going on, but the Spirit is calling me to do this thing. The Spirit wants me to pray over people. I've never done that. I don't like it, but it's clear that that's what God is giving me, and I've seen fruits from it already. Or, Father, the Spirit is asking me to do hidden ministries, to set up chairs and tables. Not a sexy ministry, but apparently every time I do it, I grow in love of God. I'm not sure what that's about, but the Spirit is leading me there. Imagine what a parish would look like if that's how we came about our ministries, if that's what we decided what we wanted to do. In my letter about EMHCs, I said, I would love an EMHC ministry where it's the people who, were, who felt called to pray with the Eucharist, those are the folks who feel called to distribute the Eucharist. We pray with the Eucharist first, then we distribute it. That's a charism. All of this is to say, we should never take for granted the fact that we were given the Holy Spirit at our baptism and it was strengthened at our confirmation. In each of us dwells the full power and majesty of God, a God who loves us infinitely and completely, who is all-powerful, who loves to work through and with us rather than around us. We should not be surprised that such a God wishes to use us for the upbuilding of the church and the conversion of the world. We should show no fear if we are confronted like Father Chow with an impossible situation. And we should show no fear if God calls us to something that makes us uncomfortable. Because it is not we who do the thing that God is calling us to do. It is the Holy Spirit who does the thing. We simply say yes.